Welcome to the Enable Me podcast series, where we bring together stroke survivors, health professionals and researchers providing you with practical advice. To enable you on your journey to reclaim your life after stroke. You can join the conversation at enableme.org.au. This series is presented by Australia's National Stroke Foundation and sponsored by Allegan. For many people who've had a stroke, fatigue is one of the biggest disabilities that they face. It's more than just regular tiredness that can be relieved by a good night's sleep. Fatigue can hold back your recovery and can keep you from getting your life back to normal. And it's also an invisible disability, meaning that it can be hard to get support. But there are things that can be done. And to find out more, in the studio today we have Dr. Toby Cumming from the Flory Institute of Neuroscience and Mental Health. Now he's currently running a study called the Fatigue After Stroke Trial, or FAST, not to be confused with the other Stroke Fast. Welcome, Toby. Thanks a lot. And we also have one of our regulars, occupational therapist Simone Russell from the Stroke Foundation Stroke Line, who frequently has people calling her to talk about fatigue. Hello again, Simone. Hi. And on the line, we have Brenda Booth, a registered nurse and disability caseworker who had a stroke when she was 41 years old. She's now a member of the Stroke Foundation's Consumer Council and making sure that consumers have a voice in the provision of stroke services. And thanks for joining us, Brenda. Thank you for asking me. All right. Now, look, I'll start with you, Toby, as someone who's conducting research in this area. How common is fatigue after stroke? Uh, very common. Uh, we think it's about 50% of stroke survivors experience fatigue. Uh, I've actually just completed a review of the literature that identified about 50 research studies that looked at post-stroke fatigue. And we could pull out about 22 of those studies that used the same assessment tool. So that was made comparing the results between these studies pretty easy. The end result was 50%, basically, about half of stroke survivors with fatigue. One of the interesting things that came out of it was it's also quite variable across studies. Some studies seem to show only about a quarter of stroke survivors with fatigue. Some studies suggested three quarters, and we really don't understand that variability in how common fatigue is yet. So that's that's what we're looking at next. Okay. But now when we're talking about fatigue, we mean like physical, mental, and emotional. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Some people, I think, when they think of fatigue, they think of physical. But mental fatigue is also a big issue for a lot of stroke survivors, I think. And it's important to note, as you said at the start, that it's not just following periods of activity. It's not just feeling tired after a 30-minute walk or reading the paper for an hour. It's not necessarily brought on by any physical or mental activity. It can it can happen at any any point. Okay. Simone, does that sound like what you've heard? On- yeah, look, absolutely. I think um, similar to what Toby's mentioned about the variability, I'd say most um, callers would say they're experiencing some level of fatigue. The degree also is quite variable. So some survivors might call in and say that they've been unable to return to work due to their fatigue, whereas someone who may have recovered quite well from their stroke may say they just notice they're a little bit more tired than before. But yeah, absolutely. There is definitely um, fluctuations in in the level of fatigue reported and also some survivors who don't have fatigue at all definitely call in as well. But it's definitely a common theme after stroke. Okay. Now, Brenda, I know that you have experienced challenges with fatigue yourself. I'm wondering, could you start by telling us your stroke story? Well, as you said, I was 41 um, and that was back in 2001, so 15 years ago. It was completely unexpected. I had no risk factors, you know, but blood pressure was good, everything was good. So my stroke was completely out of the blue. I lost my ability to speak, um, half my vision, I lost the movement in my arm. But fortunately, um, I was really lucky. My stroke symptoms were uh, recognised really quickly and, and an ambulance was called. So 
what happened um, when I got to the emergency department was my arm and my vision um, kind of returned to normal. My speech didn't. My word finding was really quite affected. Then after I um, you know, was in hospital, I started very um, you know, on um, quick order having um, multiple TIAs, um, so many strokes. And they found that um, what had happened was I had a tear in my internal carotid artery, uh, which is called a dissection, and I'd had a middle cerebral artery stroke. So, look, I don't have a physical disability. I'm very lucky. Um, And people will often assume I'm fully recovered, which is really, um, it's good that I'm as as able-bodied as I am. But I struggle with um, the hidden disabilities of stroke and I also struggle with the fact that people assume I'm back to normal. So, um, yeah, I, I have the, the disabilities that um, I have, my memory, my concentration is really affected, my speech, particularly when I'm tired, when I'm fatigued. It, people who know me well can tell. So, yep, that's my story in a nutshell. Okay. Well, so with the, the fatigue then, um, as you said, it, it is hard for people to, to know what, what you're going through. What does it feel like? What's the experience like? It's what um, Toby and Simone both said, not only just the physical fatigue, it's the mental fatigue. I, um, many, many years ago, I had dengue fever, so I know what it's like to have extreme physical fatigue, but I've got to tell you, the post-stroke fatigue that I've experienced, it's it's mind-numbingly, um, you know, sort of um, impactful. It's like I hit a brick wall, and I just have to stop. And, and as I said, um, when I'm fatigued, my speech is so much worse. My word finding is worse. You know, not that long ago, I had uh, I, I, I have got back to work, but I had an agency that I was working with. Um, you know, I couldn't get my words out, and they said, "Oh, you must have had too much to drink at lunch today." You know, it's so yeah. Um, the other thing that is affected when I'm fatigued is my memory. I go, I just go blank. You know, um, and um, yeah, it, it's more manageable now, but um, than it, what it was when I first had my stroke 15 years ago. But that said, it still really does affect me. Right, um, Simone. I'm interested to know from your experience as well that you find people um, also not knowing what uh, what the person with fatigue is going through, and like family and friends not understanding. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, as Brenda's mentioned, it really is one of those silent, I guess, ongoing impairments that you can experience after stroke and that can bring about its own frustrations and I guess sense of isolation for the stroke survivor itself. But um, I know certainly some stroke survivors uh, feel comfortable starting to educate family and friends, which can be helpful. And that might be through using some of our resources, um, our fact sheets, directing them to Enable Me or to our website to read a little bit more about fatigue to really say, well, actually, it is something that exists. Also, some stroke survivors use different terminology when talking about their fatigue. I know certainly conversations on Enable Me, uh, stroke survivors are using the term, say, brain fog or rubber brain to really kind of use terminology that their friends and family might get. And sometimes also suggesting to family and friends, you know, I've got a time limit. And I think Brenda said, you know, where you hit the wall, that that can be really helpful to use those sorts of terminology with family and friends to get them to really understand that it is a really big issue for them after stroke. Talking to health professionals as well can be really beneficial to really get that understanding that this is a really big concern for a lot of stroke survivors and it can totally you know, impact on their life after stroke. Toby, I get the impression that part of the, the problem here with people not understanding is just that the, there is the mystery around um, what causes post-stroke fatigue on that it is something that people experience. Do we know what, what brings it about? 
Uh, the short answer is no, no. Uh, we don't. Um, the review I spoke of before uh, where we pulled 22 studies out that looked at one specific outcome measure, that actually had 49 studies in it, that entire review, and all but two of those were published since 2005. So, I mean, if you think of the research literature on post-stroke fatigue, it's 95% in the last 10 years, which is, you know, we, we it's the tip of the iceberg. We still know wow. very little. So, it's very new in terms of the actual science and the research. It is a very new topic, which I don't know why it took so long to pick up on, given how marked a problem it is for survivors and it gets reported a lot. And a lot of the research to date has been showing that things are associated with fatigue. So we know that physical disability levels are associated. We know that depressive symptoms are associated with greater fatigue. But really, that that can be a two-way street. So in terms of identifying causal factors, we're, um, we're still a long way off. Look, one of the things that my thought to that, Toby, is things that used to be automatic for a person prior to their stroke now require so much more concentration. And if you're doing that, you know, for all the activities that you used to do on a daily basis, now you're really having to think about it. Um, you know, I'm just wondering whether that would be um, part way to sort of um, a causative factor. I, I think that's a great point, Brenda. And in fact, one of the things I'm really interested in is not only what causes it, because I think the way I think about stroke is this major medical event that stresses the body, it stresses the brain, there's huge downstream effects. I'm not surprised that people get fatigued in the first few weeks. And it's probably even a good restorative, adaptive response. If you think about it in evolutionary terms, it's a horrible, stressful event. Uh, and the body naturally says to itself, I think, you need to withdraw, you need to look after yourself, you need to try and recover in the in the short term and like you say there's there's cognitive inefficiencies uh, slower processing there's there's physical inefficiencies you often weak and trying to get back to walking and there's there's massive range of effects that can happen after a stroke what what I'm interested in is not just what causes it in the in that first early phase but mm. why why as you as you say lots of your other symptoms resolved and yet fatigue was still a problem particularly this cognitive mental fatigue what is mm. it what is it that makes the fatigue go for years even when when those other things have resolved or at least improved. So it's not just what causes it, but what keeps it going is what I'm interested in. Mm. Now, Brenda, you said that you had had some improvement in the, in the years since your stroke? I did. Um, I did have improvement. Uh, I found that the frequency, um, not the, um, the, the degree, but the frequency um, was better. However, a couple of years ago, I became critically ill and I was in hospital for a couple of months and in and out of ICU. I found that on my stroke fatigue, and, and during that time, actually, I, I didn't have another stroke, but I had a number of really um, serious episodes of low blood pressure that um, put me in ICU. So um, I found that my post-stroke fatigue completely refreshed, and it was almost back to where it was when I first had my stroke. Um, and I'm actually still dealing with the fatigue um, from there. I'm back at work, but I tell you, it, um, the fatigue is still knocking me around. Enable Me is Australia's online stroke community. It's a place where stroke survivors, their carers and supporters can find information, share their experiences and inspire each other with their recovery. Signing up is free and takes just a minute. It allows you to post questions and comments, set and track your own recovery goals and connect with people who understand exactly what you're going through. It's filled with evidence-based resources, videos and stories. It's everything you need to grow stronger after stroke. Sign up now in seconds at enableme.org.au.
Now, Simone, um, something that I've seen mentioned in some discussions on Enable Me is people talk about pushing through fatigue um, and it seems to be that some people say they're able to, to push through like that. Do you think that that's a, a real thing? Yeah, look, I think everyone's different and I think that um, the fatigue is unique to that person. I think some people will push through because they don't necessarily have a good awareness of their perhaps new limitations after their stroke. They may take some time and education to get, get to know their body post-stroke, but you will also have people that have post-stroke fatigue that have to push through. Otherwise, they would be stuck, you know, potentially on the couch or in bed most of the day and unable to do much else. So I'm curious though to find out too if, if Toby has, you know, any thoughts on this as well. It is a really big discussion in the stroke community to push through or not, to rest more, to rest less. Obviously we know exercise is really essential even with fatigue, but it is that fine balance and trying to work that out. Well, this is probably a good time to, to ask Toby about some of the uh, the interventions that are, are the use for fatigue. Now, I understand, as I mentioned in the introduction, you're doing a, a trial. It's a fatigue after stroke trial. Can you tell us what kind of treatments that you are looking at in that trial? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, physical activity, basically. And and this is exactly the question that we're trying to resolve. You know, When is rest good? When is more activity good? We don't know at the moment. And I, th- I think if one thing comes out of this study, if we can answer that question, then that it would be a massive success because at the moment I think clinicians uh, don't really know what to advise. Uh, the, the general feeling is that maybe when you're feeling fatigued that you should rest but equally we know a lot of the things that contribute to fatigue are muscle deconditioning, lack of fitness, poor sleep, uh, depressive symptoms, all these things can be positively addressed by increasing physical activity and so this is essentially what my, what my studies are aimed at teasing out when you know when should you do be more active even when you don't necessarily feel like getting up off the couch and when have you had enough and you need to rest and if you keep being more active then I'll just wipe you out for tomorrow and the next day and um, are there other treatments that have that are helped can help with fatigue as well? And there's been a bit of talk about um, different medications and, and drugs that might help. Is there anything on the horizon with that? So the the big picture story is the Cochrane review that came out last year, which is the gold standard pulling all the treatments together for post-stroke fatigue. This was a study um, reported from the Edinburgh group, Gillian Mead and and her colleagues. They identified twelve studies of the highest quality randomised controlled trials that have been done to try and address post-stroke fatigue and sadly their conclusion was that there's insufficient evidence to support the use of any intervention to treat or prevent fatigue at the moment in people with stroke. So that's that's what the gold standard Cochrane evidence says. It's not as it not it's not quite as bad as that. There's small trials, there's other suggestive uh, findings that um that hint that there may be some things we can do. Certainly drugs, modafinil is one of the ones that had some success in multiple sclerosis and fatigue uh, resulting from MS. Uh, It has been trialed in one small stroke study, but it was 23 stroke survivors in that study, so still very small. Uh, Our colleagues up in Newcastle have just run a study in looking at whether modafinil works for post-stroke fatigue. Again, fairly small. I think they recruited, they just finished recruiting uh, 35 participants, but that's certainly being looked at. Okay. Obviously, we don't have the results from that study yet. We're waiting to... No, no. It should be soon, I think. Okay. Um, We also had someone, uh, we put a call out for questions um, for today, and we had some other things people were asking about. One of them was uh, something like uh, dexamphetamine, which I believe is used for things like ADHD and other conditions like that. Certainly hasn't been looked at in terms of post-stroke fatigue. No. Um, Another class of 
drugs that has been looked at is the SSRI group, which is okay. often used for depression. Given the link between depression and fatigue, people thought this might be a good opportunity to look at whether that works. And the findings have been pretty disappointing. There was a large trial, I think in 2007, that looked at fluoxetine, one of the big SSRIs that didn't seem, even though it had good antidepressant effects in that trial, didn't seem to resolve the fatigue at all. Okay. Now with um, this connection between depression and fatigue, that's it's not necessarily, they're associated, but they're not necessarily both you can have both those at the same time do they it's a it's a really good point to make that they're not the same thing mm-hmm. uh, yes they are highly associated so often uh, someone who is experiencing depression will have high levels of fatigue as well after stroke but you can certainly have one without the other I've certainly seen quite a few stroke survivors that have debilitating fatigue with no signs of depression at all yeah and the cause and effect I imagine would be very hard to tease out there absolutely well. yeah. yeah yeah okay um is there anything else that's that's come up I think that there's also you had one you want to ask about Simone yeah, yeah. A, I mean we've had a, a video posted on um, enable me around blue light therapy I know Epworth have done a study in relation to acquired brain injury and blue light therapy I was curious to know a little bit more about the evidence or plans if you know if there's any more research coming that way in that area. I think that was a fascinating study. So (laughs) Kelly Sinclair did quite a lot of work in TBI but they actually did um, recruit some stroke participants as well uh, to see if it reduced their fatigue. So the blue light therapy, uh, for those that don't know, is this: um, it's just a box with light shining at you, basically short wavelength versus long wavelength, and it does something to trigger the retina and gets through to your attentional system in your brain. And her findings were were pretty positive. It does look like it increases attention, and it did look like it had small effects on fatigue. So very early days for blue light therapy, I think. But in terms of an easily available, cheap, no side effect therapy, uh, I think it holds promise. And were there any contraindications for say seizures or anything like that, do you recall? Uh, not that I've heard mm-hmm. of, no. And then Brenda, as someone who's obviously gone through this yourself, do you have any other uh, things that you found to work and to help with fatigue? Look, I think, um, you know, you were talking about pushing through the limits and pushing, you know, sort of the barriers. I, I, I think for me, it, it was around sort of being aware of what my limits were. One of my um, ways of dealing with fatigue and also, also other issues in stroke, but was I returned to work part-time, not full-time, and um, pacing myself and, look, also cutting myself some slack, you know, and not thinking I could, you know, I used to be able you know, do what I used to do. And it's knowing when to listen to others. I mean, there are times when it is good good to push through. Certainly there's times when you're driving, it's not good to push through. Um, good to pull over and have a nap if you feel fatigued. So it's, it's about sort of um, pushing your limits safely. Setting goals is crucial to stroke recovery. Goals can be as simple as walking to the letterbox to check the mail or bigger goals like getting back to work. Enable Me has a unique tool where you and your carer or family can plan what you want to achieve, track how you are progressing and celebrate your successes. You can also connect with other people who set goals similar to yours and challenge or inspire each other. You can even set up a blog to write down how you are feeling and share your own story. And don't forget, our professionals from Stroke Client can help with personalized and confidential advice to help you grow stronger after stroke. Visit enableme.org.au. Simone, I guess I'm in light of everything we've heard today. Do you have, um, can you give us some, some of your tips that you would give people if they call up about um, fatigue after stroke? 
Yeah, sure. Look, I have a number of different tips. It's always very individualized depending on how severe the fatigue is, what someone else's abilities might be when they call up and where they're at in their journey as well. So, if they're just going home from hospital, the tips that I give might be quite different to someone like Brenda who's a little way down the track. But they can involve anything from, you know, obviously listening to your body, starting to get to know, I guess, your new limitations or your new abilities. Um, And that can take some acceptance and time to just adjust to what you're capable of doing and what's realistic as well in a full day. Uh, A lot around organization and planning. So, trying not to plan too many things in one day if you do know that fatigue's an issue for you. And that might be, you know, spreading out your medical appointments across the week or having, you know, different social outings so that they're not all in the one day. Uh, Certainly resting before you notice that fatigue setting in can be one advantage for some people that works uh, rather than say, you know, pushing through and then having a whole week out because you're so exhausted. I tend to call that a fatigue hangover. There's a number of other things I suggest, you know, making sure that there's not any anything else that you can tweak you know checking that your sleep is is good quality sleep you're getting good quality sleep that you're drinking enough water that you're eating you know really nutrient dense diet that there's no nutritional deficiencies there that could also help um, uh, you know with fatigue levels uh, exercise as we've touched on already you do want to exercise it's really important to be getting up and still moving your body from a prevention um, a prevention uh, as well as uh, to be managing the fatigue as well there's obviously also seeking help so there are cases where people need to actually, you know, say yes to that offer of having someone come and bring meals in for the week or for however long. Getting a cleaner in some cases, for example, might be actually a really worthwhile investment. And that can be quite challenging for people that may have always done everything before the stroke. Uh, certainly, we have a lot of stroke survivors in our community that practice mindfulness and yoga that find that that can be really beneficial in terms of having that time out. So, it may not be just resting, but they're doing mindfulness um, or meditating instead. Uh, there's some of the just some of the suggestions, Chris, but yeah, usually I tailor it depending on the level of fatigue, how far along they are in their journey and what else might be, you know, factors as Brenda, I think has touched on as well, you know, fatigue will exacerbate pain and weakness can cause, you know, deterioration in someone's walking. So, it really depends on the person, but very happy if they call StrokeLine to give a, a tailored approach and Enable Me's also got some fantastic conversations. There's a whole number of conversations and really, really practical tips from other stroke survivors. Okay. And Toby, you got anything else to add there? Some advice you'd give stroke survivors? Uh, I think Simone's covered lots of the really important stuff. One thing I might add is that it's important to, it's probably the first line of management to try and identify potential um, reversible medical problems. So, there's lots of things that can cause fatigue like pain or muscle spasticity or mood disorder and these are all things that are potentially modifiable. So, I would definitely say to talk to your doctor in the first instance uh, to try and look at that sleep apnea as another one that's very clear, treatable uh, and can feed into fatigue. I'd suggest reviewing medications. Quite a few medications that stroke survivors can be on uh, can have sedative effects, particularly antidepressant and anti-anxiety drugs. So, it's really important to review what you're taking in terms of medications. And then, yeah, we get to the lifestyle factors that um, avoid alcohol if you can because that has sedative effects to have a a good sleep routine, including during the day. So, I know a lot of stroke survivors with fatigue tend to need to rest in the afternoon. And if, if you do do need to do that, try and limit it to not more than 20 or 30 minutes because otherwise it might interrupt your sleep-wake cycle and that has whole knock-on effects to circadian rhythm and fatigue. 
with physical activity, try and be regular. Don't do too much even on your good days and uh, try and do something even on your bad days would be what I'd suggest. Although, as we said, the, the research is out on that. That's just a common sense guideline at the moment with not much to, to back it up. And I'd also say with support, support from people around you, from family and friends and peers in the stroke community is, is very important. But also maybe don't get too much support. It's the same with physical activity. You want to be living your life for yourself and not having everything done for you. Otherwise, you might just um, feed into that negative cycle. Brenda, any final thoughts or advice you'd give other stroke survivors? Yeah, look, I think raising what Toby said, raising awareness um, with people around you is really important. So, um, you know, sort of family and friends. But also, um, for me, it's, also, uh, it's it's my work colleagues knowing um, when I'm fatigued. And there's, there's not a lot of people at work who would pick up when I'm, I'm fatigued. But, but there's a, you know, there's a few that just, they know. And um, I think also factoring in, um, you know, that, that time out, giving yourself a bit of a break, even in a busy day, is, is useful. You know, you don't have to lay down and sleep, but just taking it, you know, taking it easy is really important. And recognising it for yourself, it's probably the hardest thing. Dealing with the stroke is hard enough, but then dealing with fatigue on top of it is, is very difficult. And I know some people are very um, um, affected by um, fatigue. Well, thank you all. Now, if you want to speak to uh, a health professional like Simone um, about fatigue or about any other issue, you can call Stroke Line on 1800 787 653 or 1 800 STROKE. At Allegan, we know every stroke is different and so is every recovery. After stroke, many people have muscle weakness and loss of movement, but you might also be experiencing tight muscles or stiffness in your arms, fingers, or legs. It's called spasticity. You might have muscle spasms or uncontrollable jerky movements in your arms or legs, changes in your posture or unusual limb positions, and it can cause pain. It can be treated though. Physiotherapy or occupational therapy can help you adapt and improve your movement. There are other possibilities too, such as injections with botulinum toxin type A, electrical stimulation of the muscles, electromyograph, or EMG biofeedback and muscle relaxing medication. What is important is to start your rehabilitation as soon as possible after a stroke and to discuss your goals and progress with your rehabilitation team at every stage. Allegan is proud to bring you this Enable Me podcast. Thank you once again to our guests, Dr. Toby Cumming, Brenda Booth and Simone Russell. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us. That's all for today's Enable Me podcast. You can find out more on this topic and continue the conversation or listen to other podcasts in the series at our website, enableme.org.au. It's free to sign up and you can talk with thousands of other stroke survivors, carers and supporters. We also have health professionals from StrokeLine who can answer your questions and give evidence-based advice. The advice given here is general in nature and you should discuss your own personal needs and circumstances with your health professional. If you would like to suggest a topic or provide feedback, contact us via the website enableme.org.au.
The music in this podcast is Signs by Stroke Survivor Antonio Ianella and his band, The Lion Tamers. It was recorded at Antonio's studio, which you can find out more about at www.studio499. That's F-O-U-R-99.org.au. This Enable Me podcast series is produced by the National Stroke Foundation in Australia with the support of Allegan.